city to city, state to state, worldwide. You are listening to the In the Zone Network. This is it. Hi, y'all. This is Sharon Brown. I'm one of the Memphis Grizzly beat writers for the Memphis Flyer and writer for Dive Magazine. And you're listening to the Price Check on the In the Zone Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. The show, of course, is sponsored by the In the Zone Network and the In the Zone store at teespring.com. Very special episode that we have here today with a special guest, uh, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies at the Memphis Flyer. Uh, she also is a contributor at Dime Magazine, uh, Miss Sharon Brown. Sharon, thank you for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me. No problem at all. So, um, just really, you know, starting at the top today with you, honestly, um, let the folks, you know, listening know how you really got started in um, your coverage for the NBA. Okay, I got started um, back in 2014. Uh, me and my uh, friend, Amy Stigemeyer, um, we were, we really loved the Memphis Grizzlies, and we were in this group on Facebook called Grizz Nation. And then, you know, we would say something and people just didn't want to hear what we had to say. You know, it's just like they had to question what we had to say. And then when a guy would say something, you know, they was like, oh, yeah. And then we would, we would look like, well, we just said the same thing, but you guys didn't want to listen to us. And so we decided to start to write, start a blog. It's called All Heart and Hoop City. And we, you know, people said they were they were going to support us and all that, but it didn't happen. You know, when they you know saw that we could write good and we knew what we were talking about, the support waned, and then it just went on from there. We started because we wanted to give women a voice. There were women fans, you know, and didn't people didn't want to listen to them, so we just wanted to give women a voice and the sports were on. Great, great. And so, um, obviously, covering the Grizzlies there in Memphis, how has that experience been for you? Uh, it, it, it's been okay. It's been some ups and downs, you know. Um, but it's 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 been it's been okay. But it's it's been better, you know, for the past couple of years now. Right. Of course, got an uh, exciting yes, young team to to look at now with you know guys like Jaron Jackson, John Moran, knows you know Brandon Clark, who we saw show out. Uh, in the bubble as well. So, um, you know, from what you've seen so far also, what impact has, you know, new coach Taylor Jenkins had uh, on that young team, specifically those guys that I mentioned in John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and Brandon Clark? Well, I could say that he, he did a wonderful job this first year because no one really expected them to be able to be in the bubble, first of all, and be in the play-in because they were projected to be at the bottom of the league. But it didn't happen. And they are they are a scrappy group. It's just like sometimes they may they probably can't figure out to uh, a way to win at the end. But they are a scrappy group. And then it's just like I think that's the culture of the team. It's just like they want to really it's it's, it's for them it's more than basketball. It's just like the team they want to be as a family. You know, everybody get along, everybody's together. They have good basketball IQ, and then it's just like there's no selfishness. You know, within the team for right now, there's no selfishness, and everybody want to be on one accord. 
And then they said that's the family atmosphere that they want to have. And then I think, you know, Taylor Jenkins, he's a really good fit for this team. It's just like the first year they were really learning together. But I can say that I want John Morant to be a dog. You know, <laughs> I, will, I really do. When yeah. Dylan Brooks, you know, try to shoot his way out of something, I want John to cuss him out and tell him, you know, give me the ball. <laughs> right. Assert himself that, just that, a little bit more, right? Right. I want John and Darren to cuss Dylan out and say, give me the ball. I want them to, to get up in, on him saying, no, you, you can't, you know, I know you're trying to be like a, a Dollar Tree Kobe. No, <laughs> sir, no. And that is the voice of Sharon Brown of uh, the Memphis Flyer beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies here on the Price Check Podcast. Um, so, you know, you mentioned their bubble performance, um, you know, getting to that play-in game and really giving, you know, a valiant effort, uh, even though they probably didn't perform in the, the way that they expected once this whole thing restarted. Uh, what were your thoughts overall on their performance through uh, the seeding games and that play-in game against Portland? Okay, it's just, at first it seems like they were, wasn't really into it, you know, from watching them, you know, the entire season before. Because it seemed like it was another season because they were off for almost five months. But at the beginning of the season and then, like, prior to uh, March the 11th, it seemed like they, you know, you could – how they played, it was different from the first – you know, it seemed like they was, like, Deer caught in the headlights, you know, uh, the first season games. Then, uh, but it, they didn't lose. When they lost, it wasn't that they didn't get blown out. They fought, but it just it just seemed like they didn't have the fight that we've we seen before. And then also we have to look at that. They were missing key players. Because to me, I think the biggest impact was um, Tyus Jones. The way that he runs the second unit, and that was that's a big that was a big factor in them winning because they had one of the best bitches in the league. Top five bitches in the league. When Tyus Tyus Jones is running the point for for that group. He may not be valued in points sometimes, but he's a really smart basketball player. And the way that he runs the offense and everything, it helped DeAnthony Milton and helped the uh, um Brandon Clark. So I'm thinking the uh when they missed Ty Jones, that could have helped them tremendously. And then when Jaron went down, that was horrible. And then they could have got something from Justice Winslow. And I think that the injury bug and the youth really, you know, burst their bubble down in Orlando. Right. And I was going to mention, you know, Losing Jaron Jackson anytime you know you lose a player of that caliber is always going to set your team back. And luckily, you know having a guy like Brandon Clark be able to step up and take those minutes on is helpful. But uh, like you said, it's just you know at some point those injuries and missing those guys just you know becomes too much of a compound effect. Effect. I'm sorry, um, especially on a young team like that. So. And then I think, and then I think the first part of the game. It's just like they didn't use uh, Jonas Valanciunas like they should have used him. Mm-hmm. They tried to shoot too many threes. And then it's just like if you play inside-out basketball, which they used like, uh, I think, in the Toronto game. And then Dylan, you know, he just didn't take, you know, too many shots. He didn't take 26 shots. And it's just not like, it's not like I'm trying to be hard on Dylan, but we want Dylan to be consistent. Right. His best basketball is going to the basket and then the mid-range jumper. 
he should shoot them in three. You know, it's like when he own, he's off. But when he's off, he's off. He doesn't make the right decisions sometimes. But they need him to play to his strengths and not to his weaknesses. That is Sharon Brown of uh, the Memphis Flyer, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies. So, um, in talking through, you know, some of the the you know players that they were missing and some of the way that that roster is constructed right now, uh, what do you think will be important for them this offseason and being able to, um, you know, not only maintain you know the core that they have, but also put the necessary pieces around that team to keep it uh, as a playoff contender? Um. I just think they need a more reliable shooting guard. Uh, and I don't know if Dylan is that person, you know. Yeah. Um, say, for instance, I don't know. But the thing about it is if they could get someone like Bradley Beal or Zach, uh, Zach Levine. But I don't know if that's going to happen because really I don't want them to give away their future for a loner. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because, say, for instance, you do get Bradley Beal and you trade somebody like Brandon Clark. Um, because it's just like if you if you do trade trade for Bradley Beal, you don't have to give up something. Right. You know? And then it's just like my thing is why give away a guy like Brandon Clark? He's, you know, one of the future players for the franchise. For Bradley Beal, who might not be here, you know, but for – like two seasons or a season and a half, you know, because like when free agency comes, he probably want to go somewhere else. So I just think they should just try to uh, figure out some trades for the bench units to get more viable shooters. But I don't know how that will work out because I don't want them to give away a good player for a loner. Right. Totally understandable. You, you know, you never want to be uh, that young team that gives away the young players too soon. Um, before you're able to, um, you know, really see what that young core can develop into together. And so, like you said, getting star power sounds great on paper, but then when you have to really give up a lot of good pieces to uh, right. be able to land a player like that, sometimes the juice ain't worth the squeeze, right? <laughs> All right. But then if, like, if, they, if they trade, like, Jaron Justin Jr., I swear people in Memphis probably – well, some people in Memphis probably will write but I don't think that's going to happen, you know. Yeah. No, you gotta gotta not. keep three J. Gotta keep three J. Keep him, job, Brandon Clark together, and see um, right. you know, how you make and then to move those pieces. Yeah, around. and then who knows how it's gonna be? You know, when you have a healthy Justice Winslow, when Ty Jones is healthy again. But I don't know if they're gonna keep Josh Jackson. I don't know if they're gonna keep DeAnthony Milton because both of them are in the contract year. So I don't know what's gonna happen. But I think they, you know, it's just like I think that's just need, you know, a little minor pieces. If everybody plays together like they, they could and then they change some of the plays, I think it could be a really uh, fresh young thing for the future. And that is Sharon Brown of the Memphis Flyer, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, before I let you go, uh, what are your thoughts so far on the NBA playoffs as a whole here in the bubble? You know, we see a lot of these teams – um, you know, missing the fans, missing that home court advantage. Uh, what have, you know, have been some of your takeaways so far from the playoff games that you've seen? Um, I think uh, it's been some really tough series. Um, the series that surprised me, um, I didn't think that um, Utah would be whooping up on Denver like they are. Did not. <laughs> did not I see did that one coming. <laughs> because, yeah, because I thought it was an was was evenly matched series. 
Right. I thought that was going to be that, but I didn't see the Utah, you know, and maybe Denver will come out and play better than they did in game two and three, but, mm. and then um, with the Lakers in Blazers series, um, you know, the Blazers, you know, they won game one, right? Right. And then it's just like the talk of people saying, like, the Blazers was going to beat the Lakers. Nah, I didn't think that was going to happen. You know, beat them in the series. Because the Blazers don't really play too much defense. It's, right. just, it's just not fair. And then it's just like they have, you know, rely too heavily on Damian Lillard. And then sometimes the other players, you know, they're not there. CJ have bad shooting nights. Sometimes Carmelo have a bad shooting night. But in the, in the bubble game, it's just like, they won in the waiting moments. It's not they. It's not like they blew out anybody. You know what I'm saying? Right. They just, you know, they did what they had to do. You know, um, down the stretch. But you know, I didn't think that they was going to beat the Lakers. Um, and then I didn't think Orlando was going to beat the Bucks, even though they won game one. And then it seemed like the narrative changed from game to that game about what people think and how NBA should work or whatever. But uh, no, no. But I think. The Miami and Indiana game, I thought that was going to be more evenly matched. Right, same here. And and Toronto, I mean, they just, I don't know, they might go to the finals again. Hey, you know, I, I I had a conversation here a couple of weeks ago and said that Toronto was a real serious contender. Not too many people took me seriously with that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a team that, you know, Missing Kawhi Leonard, the Finals MVP, they haven't missed a beat, and they look like right. they, you know, have all the pieces to still be a serious title contender. And they're putting that into action every single game. So um, I'm interested to see how you know the next couple rounds play out for them, especially having to see you know potentially a Boston or Milwaukee. How but the, match the team that surprised me the most is the Brooklyn Nets. I'm gonna tell you why. But the simple fact is they don't have their you know. Um, they don't have their stars. At all. But they are a scrappy team where they be in these games, you know, late. They was in these games. They didn't win, you know. Right. But it's just that they're so scrappy. And I'm trying to figure out the coach there. I mean, they, I think they should keep him, but they probably not because of uh, Kyrie or uh, Kevin Durant. But he needs to be a head coach somewhere. Because yeah. the way he got those guys to buy in, you telling me that they're doing this to other teams and, you know, they don't have their stars. They're playing scrappy like that. And then no way, you know, that they should have had a lead over Toronto in these games. No way they should have took um, Portland, you know, to the last minute, the last seconds of the game. Yeah, that was the a, way a that very they played. entertaining game down to the wire. Yes, and, yes, um, it, yes, it was. And they should have won that game. They really should. If he made that shot. Portland would not have been, you know, playing the Lakers right now. At all. No, they would have actually no play in at all for them had that, you know, right, bounced exactly. gone a couple he, different ways. Because, uh, you know, you said, we said, you know, I was looking at it and I said, man, it's over. But then they came back. I mean, they really scrappy. If he can get those guys to buy in, especially when the other people come back, that's going to be, that's going to be a deadly team for real. Yeah, Jack Vaughn doing a hell of a job, you know, coaching uh, Brooklyn right now. Though it, it would be interesting to see what they do at, you know, the head coach. I know a lot of people think Ty Lue is a uh, candidate to go there with his history, you know, coaching Kyrie previously. So 
interesting to see if they go with, you know, kind of the quote-unquote sexy hire or if they stick with a coach like Jock Vaughn who's really seen some results out of guys who, you know, were not guys you would think would be on an active roster for an NBA team, especially, you know, in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. um, real yeah. real interesting to see how that plays out. So, if you had to, you know, make a, a pick right now, who would your two finals teams be at this point? The finals team? Ugh. Uh, okay, it's gonna be one of the LA teams, <laughs> <laughs> and the Raptors or the Bucks. That, that's that's all I have. That's all I have. <laughs> can't look, can't split hers just yet. But that, between those four, that's who you riding with. Right, right. Between those four, because it's just I don't, I don't know. Because you know, I, I have no idea. Because I don't, you know, I I just don't know. Because Houston, you know, they're playing pretty good without Russ. And Houston could knock off one of those L.A. teams. But I don't, I don't know. Utah playing, you know, pretty well. I just, you know, just don't know. Because, like, if Anthony Davis gives the performance like he did the other night and then Rondo coming back, Rondo knows how to settle the offense and the bitch should be better. So, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Paul George is not going to always have to be in this uh, shooting slump. And I, I just don't – it's just – all I know is the first round has been really good. The second round is going to be good. I mean, the playoffs are going to be really good. Really entertaining. Not, not going to be too many blowouts. It's just going to be scrappy basketball. There it is. Well, Sharon Brown, thank you so, so much for joining us here on the show today. Um, let the listeners out there know where they can find you on social media and also listen to some, some of your other work. Okay, so I'm on Twitter at, at Sharon Shy Brown. You can uh, catch my podcast um, at the Shy Show 4 on Twitter. Um, I write for allhardhoopcity.com, the MemphisFire.com, and then it's Diamond at Uprock. There it is. Well, again, thank you so much for joining the show. We definitely had a lot of fun with this episode. We'll have to have you back here as soon as uh, we get Memphis back into the action. All right, I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Right there it is. So, uh, for those of y'all listening, this is the Price Check Podcast. We're going to take a brief break uh, and get back to you with the rest of the show. Hi, this is Sharon Brown. I'm coming to you from Hickory Hill. I want to shout out South Memphis, North Memphis, Nutbush, East Memphis. This is Price Check on the End of Zone Network. Holla. I'm Alexander for the Inner Zone Network. I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Cafe Piazza. They're located at 1900 Arsenal. They have a happy hour where you get buy one, get one 50% off on all items of equal or lesser value. They also have large pizza, beer, and wine. All cash tips go to furloughed employees. That's at Cafe Piazza. Give them a call, 314-343-0294. They also do delivery and curbside pickup. And on the weekend, their brunch is open. Get yourself some bottomless mimosas, Bloody Marys, breakfast pizza, a la carte, all at Cafe Piazza, located at 1900 Arsenal. That is Cafe Piazza, 314-343-0294. 314-343-0294 and a thank you for your business. This is In The Zone. What gets you in the zone? Giving back to people that 
is trying to get to where I am now because I've, I, I've lived your story before. So I've lived in poverty. I lived with no lights. I live with, you know, stuff like that. So now that I, I've grown and um, made a little something for myself, I would like to give it back because you can't die with it. On the In The Zone Network. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You listen to In The Zone and this is the network. This is it. Hey everybody, this is Ashley Wright from Sports with Ashley, and you are listening to The Price Check. Welcome back to The Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price, here on the In The Zone Network. Um, So, of course, got a a lot of of stuff to unpack from this last week of NBA basketball. Um, As we started the show with last week, you know, not necessarily celebrating the, the folks that got fired, but... Bringing it to the light a little bit. Unfortunately, you know, when jobs open up, that's usually because somebody is removed from the job. And we had another NBA head coaching job open up this week. New Orleans Pelicans let go of Alvin Gentry, a move that we could kind of see coming. Um, not sugarcoating things. They did not look good in the playoff, or not the playoff bubble because they're not in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> the restart bubble, they didn't look good. Um they were set up the best to be able to make a run into the playoffs and just did not take advantage of that. Lonzo, you know, by all accounts was checked out. You know, uh, Zion was not in shape. They didn't really figure out a great way to play him in the minutes restriction, that type of thing. Um, So somebody had to go, and that somebody was Alvin Gentry. My question is now, does Alvin Gentry get another head coaching job? No, he's going to go back to Golden State, I think. It makes sense, right? Just go yeah. back and be the assistant coach because he – I remember when he, he got the Pelicans job before the Warriors finished that first title run, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, too. So, the 2015 team, not the one that went 73-9 and nine the year before that, the first Curry MVP season. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They go to the playoffs. They win the title. Yeah. I mean, he's been there for what? The thing I was going to say five, years? four or five seasons, I thought. Let's check real quick. Mr. Gentry. Oh, he's there for five. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Five seasons. So, you know, plus five seasons is long enough to know if you got the right guy, I think. True. And clearly they didn't think so. Now, flip side of this, obviously we asked if Alvin Gentry is going to get another head coaching job. Who do the Pelicans try to go get? Because I've seen Ty Lue thrown out as a name for them, just like he's been thrown out as a name for the Brooklyn Nets. And if you're Ty Lue, does it does it make sense to go and hit your wagon to Zion and the young team in that situation down there with a guy that you are familiar with in David Griffin? Or... Does it make sense to go somewhere like Brooklyn where you have the star power and the potential ability to win now and contend now um, in what I would believe is an easier conference in the East? So you don't believe in Jock Vaughn as Brooklyn coach? I personally believe in Jock Vaughn. I don't mm-hmm. think that's who Brooklyn wants. I think Brooklyn is going to try to go after the big name because they – Ty Lue is now considered a big name, huh? I mean – it. 
To be fair to Tyloo, he does have a championship. And he That's true. He beat a seventy three and nine team, albeit having arguably, you know, a top two player all time and Kyrie Irving. But or, didn't he inherit that team? You know, like Well, so it was yes, it was set up for him because they went the first year when LeBron came back, got David Blatt as the head coach. Right. Get to the finals, they lose. Um and I'm not saying David Blatt was a great coach, but I don't I can't put that entire finals loss on him. Um at the same time they were out there, I think like Matthew Dellavedova was the second best player for the Cavs most of that series. So That's what I'm saying. Like they had the best record and they fired him. So that was a time period where the Cavs were just operating off of the mindset of hey we know we're going to win the east are we equipped to beat the warriors and i don't know that david black was going to get them over like i don't i'm not saying tyler lewis is the greatest coach ever or greatest coach available right now but i think he was able to push those buttons in a way that david black was not going to especially with a team that was like down 3-1 in the finals like i definitely don't see them coming back with david black can can mark jackson get a phone call I want Mark Jackson to get a phone call from a Eastern Conference squad. So, like, I would want him to go to a young team like the Bulls or the Pelicans, not a star-powered team like the Nets. Because you think that they won't buy into his uh, system? It's not so much that I don't think they would buy in. I think that there is going to be a level of expectation that – Mark, not saying that he's not a good coach, but he's gonna. It's gonna take him a little minute to get back in the swing of coaching the league. You got to think he got he got let go from the Warriors what five six years ago now. Why would it make sense for him to go back home to where he's from? To Knicks? No, he's from Brooklyn. He is from Brooklyn. I was gonna say the Knicks already signed Tom Thibodeau, which I thought was a, a bad hire, but we we'll talk about them another time. <laughs> Actually, we'll talk about them in a few minutes because they uh they're one of the losers of draft lottery night. Good so God. <laughs> we'll, how do you do? We'll we'll talk about them in a second. But yeah, I, I think um you have to give you have to if you're Brooklyn, I think it makes more sense to let Jock Vaughn be your coach and go hire big names to stay within but they also would have the best read on whether or not kd Kyrie would really work well with jock Vaughn. if they don't think so then you got to go get the guy that's going to make those pieces work but how do you know because they haven't played you know they've been around the team though they like they've been there every day you you get a feel for how your players are going to respond to certain people and if they don't feel like jock Vaughn is that guy uh, get them out to the capital see see you peace so, that that right there is going to be one of the things I watch closest this offseason because whoever they get as a head coach, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them real early. You walk in the door and you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, the pressure's on, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, and no, no question. The, the pressure is on, especially in the Eastern Conference. So, um, for those of y'all just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast here on the In The Zone Network. Uh, speaking of the Eastern Conference, we had another uh, little bit of news come out of the Eastern Conference regarding somebody in their job. 
This uh, happens to be a um, Hornets radio broadcaster. Looking for the name here. Also, maybe it'll pull this up faster than I can over here. But yeah, well, you go ahead and do that. So, long story short, this radio broadcaster whose name we'll be getting for you guys here shortly um, sent out a tweet with some excitement regarding John Fock. Like the name already itself John already Fock. seemed like it's just bad. Like you know, yeah. something bad's going to come out of him. Yeah. So, Mister Fock. Um, goes and posts a tweet with, you know, how great of a game the Jazz and the Nuggets are having. But problem with his tweet is that he did not say Nuggets. He said another seven-letter in word. <laughs> that I am – Yeah, we, we'll stay you know. away from here today. Uh, but we, just know hey, that – We don't say it. Yeah, yeah. We no, don't see it. Yeah. So, um, tweet goes out. Instead of Jazz Nuggets, it is Jazz in words. And, uh, with the ER. Yeah, with the hard ER there. Um, and the defense for said tweet was that it was a typo. And, and basically, he blamed it on autocorrect. Problem with that is. And I can speak from experience here because I tried this about eight times on my iPhone. <laughs> um, when you go to type the word nuggets, I don't have my autocorrect change it from nuggets to in words. My phone doesn't like nuggets is, is a word in the American dictionary. So they leave it as is. No red lines, no replacement suggestions, none of that. Uh-huh. So, Mr. Fock, I sniff sniff some BS from your uh, from your perspective because what that tells me about your autocorrect is that you use that other N word so often that is that instantly right there that that is the replacement that it goes to when it sees another seven letter N word. However, let me tell you something else, sir. You can look down at your phone. And you can see what letters you're going to put on your phone. You can see it. So you want to sit here and tell me, if memory serves me correct, you look on your phone right now and you look at your keyboard. You you may have looked at N-I and didn't look at N-U. And you made your mistake there. And so what I also have to point out for the people listening for those who may not have seen the tweet, um, the reference to Jazz Nuggets was also very early in the tweet. So you kind of had time to review and make sure that that was not going to be the word that goes out before you sent the tweet out. So I'm having a hard time believing Mr. Fock, and I don't really you know, feel like I have to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I don't believe that the Charlotte Hornets should do so either. So I'm going to need Michael Jordan to fire this dude. Like, yeah, that ASAP. should happen ASAP. Mm-hmm. Right now. Like, there shouldn't even be any other thoughts. You know how everything is being transpired right now, you know, with the thing that's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. And it's going to keep happening. Right. This is going to keep happening. Like, incident in baseball, the incident in hockey, where men start talking sideways. Right. 
and thinking they could just easily get away with that. No, that needs to end. If it's gonna be, it's gonna be a continuing trend. So you set an example. That dude has to lose his job. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, he got to go. That's it, man. It's time. Time is now. You know, Hornets got some good stuff also going on, right? Yeah. You know? So on to happier topics. Yes. Uh, especially for a team like the Hornets that jumped up in the lottery. Draft lottery took place this past Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, an eventful draft lottery. Poor New York Knicks. <laughs> Start there, you know. Hey, shout out to Rob Perez, man. <laughs> yes. Look, if y'all if y'all don't follow uh, Mr. Perez on Twitter, please do so. At Worldwide Wild, yeah. Hey, follow him, man. He said, man, there's a reason why I got gray hair at 32. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he's a Knicks fan. And Rudy for the Knicks would do things like that. Long suffering Knicks fan. Like I feel bad for all of them. For like, real, man. Even even in a draft like this, that. You know, for what it's worth, is not a star-studded draft. No, know? it's not. Um, but damn, y'all like y'all couldn't even get like y'all couldn't even get it read for y'all this time. And <laughs> hey, they ain't been right since 1985 when it came to this stuff, man. Look, I, <laughs> so, sorry, New York Knicks fans. I, I know this is this is yet another eventful turn that has gone against y'all. Y'all had it happen last year. They had the number one odds. To, or tied for the best odds to get the number one pick with Zion Williamson, Ja Morant, and they get R.J. Barrett. Now, and that's not taking anything away from R.J. I think R.J. is going to be really good. But you could have had the top two candidates for rookie of the year in Ja Morant and Zion Williamson, and you got neither. That's got to suck. Honestly, I really think they need to stop doing the draft lottery. It's my – yeah, I really do. But I see why they do it, because teams like to tank. And yeah. because teams like to tank, that will give their chances better. You know, because yeah. in, in the NFL, if you do bad, you get the first pick instantly. You right. the first team, you get the first pick. That's how I thought it should go. But teams like to tank. But I'm like, why? Why do you tank in the NBA when you don't have a clear-cut chance to get the number one pick? So here's the thing. Sam Hinkie taught us all because – what he did with the whole trust the process situation in Philly. Was, I feel bad for them too. It, it look it looks bad for them right now. Yep. But the thought process was we have to give ourselves the best chance possible to get the best young talent possible so that we can compete for as long as possible. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we're going to go out here and, and put out a terrible team so that we can lose as many games as we can so that we can get these high draft picks. Now, for them, it pretty much worked out as best-case scenario because you come away with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and you also had a draft pick that could have got you Jason Tatum, but instead you come away with Markel Fultz, who then you traded. So. Some of that yes. is a little bit on how they handled it. But end of the day, you had pretty much three cracks at a top three pick, and you almost got them all right. That, that's <laughs> what the, the process was supposed to be for. Now, I like the draft lottery more now because of how the, the ping pong balls are spread out now. You have more of a chance for – 
a team like the Bulls, who I think was supposed to pick like seven or eight, being able to jump up to four. You have the Hornets, who I think were supposed to pick nine, moving up to three. There's a lot more of that random movement versus, okay, well, the Knicks had the worst chance they're going to end up with a top three pick. Well, now they had like top five odds and they got eighth. But that's the <laughs> thing, though. It doesn't, it, it's not going to matter regardless. No matter how you spread, you make it. Yeah, I mean, well, everybody can't be a winner. We can't give out participation trophies. Like Exactly. So somebody's going to have to take L's. It just so happens that in this case, a lot of times those L's go to the New York Knicks. Man, <laughs> so, I remember 10 years ago, Dan Lebertard said to the, when LeBron went to the, the Heat. Yeah. Welcome to another year of irrelevance. It just continues it every continues. single year. It's like they, It's like the Knicks are the most cursed team. In the NBA now. Now, the the one thing that I will say is that they might end up lucking into – oh, and that's a nasty spill for those of y'all listening to us at home. We are watching the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic game and just saw a pretty nasty fall from by Eric, Eric Bledsoe. But, um, yeah, so, you you know, the Knicks, they might actually luck up with this draft being as random as it is getting a pretty good player at eight that – they might have overlooked had they had, you know, a top four pick. So mm-hmm. um, get down to the results of the draft. They let us know that the top four is going to be Chicago, Charlotte, Golden State, and Minnesota. At that time, before you saw the picks play out, Arlington, because we know that you are a Chicago Bulls fan, mm-hmm. what was your thought in that exact moment when the top four was revealed but the order had not been revealed yet? Mm. Again, excited. You know, you get excited about that, man, because the potential, uh, the potentiality, or I sh- I sh- the potential, I should say, the potential, I should say, happened that the Bulls could get the number one pick. You know, and even though they didn't get it, I'm still pleased. Yeah, number four, I'm fine with you that. You jump up four spots. You go from eight to four. That's not, that's a pretty yeah, good night. That's good. Charlotte, your boy Mike is going to be picking at three, which I. If I'm looking forward to nothing else about this draft, I am just waiting to see what Michael Jordan does at number three in this draft. And let's not forget, let's not forget, he was the third pick in round one in his career. He was. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays that or how his group plays that because he's not going to really have a say-so in it. I mean, he will, but it's like it's up to the general manager. It's up to them, the crew, coaches, all that, to see who would be the best fit. If if his track record or just his team's track record serves any uh, preview, he's probably going to have a uh, mediocre to bad pick at three, and whoever goes fourth to the Bulls <laughs> is going to be a star. Like that's, that. usually, that's usually how this thing works out whenever he's on the clock. So you got the Hornets at three. Golden State, the come-up of all come-ups, they get the second overall pick in this draft. And you get the Minnesota Timberwolves with the number one pick. I'm going to say it right here on this podcast like I said it online. LaMelo's not going to Minnesota. I would hope LaMelo doesn't go to to Minnesota. He's not going over. That is going to be a very terrible defensive backcourt if you have him and (laughs) D'Angelo Russell playing next to each other. They won't be, be able to bad. guard a graveyard. Hey. And it's going to be real bad on defense up there. And it's not like Cat is really protecting the rim like that anyway, even though he should be. But So we thinking right now, as we sitting here, yeah. top the, the, the top four picks potentially yeah. would be LaMelo 
Anthony Edwards from Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, Toppin from Dayton, and James Wiseman from Memphis. And I'm just I didn't put it in, in an order. Right. I just want you to say that this is the, the potential top four picks. So, like, okay, so you know how on social media now it's real popular to do the little things with the uh, pictures where it's like four people or four topics or, or four items and one has to go? Yeah. If you put these four names in front of me and you said one has to go, like one of them will not go top four, I think it's topping. Yeah. Because I, I don't. I think if you're going top four and top three, especially, yeah. you have to have like superstar potential, and he's the one of those guys that I don't see any yep. superstar hope for. Exactly. I think at his like his best would be like that energy big. Yep. You know, not like a Montrez Harrell of sorts, even though his style is not quite exactly what Harrell does. It's a little different. That's the type of, of future I see for him. <laughs> the more I I watch, you know, when we have these discussions online and stuff, and the more I see it, the, the pick that I want is not – I don't think it's going to happen. It'll be a blessing in disguise, cause, but you never know. You never know how the draft will work. Something comes up, and it will change the course of the draft. A trade could happen at any given moment. Or you could – you know, wind up in like 2013 and the Cleveland Cavaliers on the clock and they take Anthony Bennett. True. You never know. Exactly. Um, so, you heard I, of him since? No. Okay. No. Um, All right. I So, for, so if we're starting with the Bulls at four, I know you're hoping that Anthony Edwards I want, falls. I want Anthony Edwards so bad. I, I, I wish – that they make a trade, like to swap spots, you get what I want, I get you what you want, and then we just swap. Like for instance, if Golden State say we'll take Edwards, you get us Wiseman, we'll swap. You get what I'm saying? Two and four pick, they swap. So, the problem with all of this, in my opinion, is that it might make more sense for Minnesota to take Edwards number one over anybody else. Mm-hmm. One, because he gives you that guard that can be interchangeable with Russell where I can initiate the offense, you can initiate the offense, we can play off of each other. You know, Edwards is a scorer, which they desperately need in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and he's not quite the same liability defensively as, like, a LaMelo would be. So Right. I think that might end up being the pick for them. Or I could also see them com- like going completely like out of nowhere with like I know like I I've seen what is it uh Killian Hayes um from overseas. You've got um gosh, what's my man's name out of uh well I, I, out of Florida State. I don't think he's going to go that high, but I think it's Vassal and then there's Isaac Okoro, you know, wings that are like versatile and things like that. They probably wouldn't go number 1, but I think for Minnesota it probably would make more sense for them to get Edwards more mm-hmm. so than LaMelo. Um and then as I say that, knowing the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're probably going to take LaMelo first. <laughs> yeah. It's the, funny though. I'm I'm looking at there's a site that you can go to, and I'm giving them a little pub, nbadraft.net, yep. and they throw mock-ups and stuff all the time. They have today, because it could change as we get from now to October 16th, right. 
Right now, the number one pick would be Edwards. Yeah. Ball would go two. Wiseman, three. They got Killian Hayes at Chicago. At four. At four. Toppin was dropped to six at Atlanta. So, I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of, you know, the overseas guys, specifically Hayes, just because there's not a, a whole lot of, of access to some of those games, but – Kid's 19 from France. He's 19. And similar to the discussion we had the last show about Luca, there's something to me that you have to consider when this guy who's 18, 19 years old has played a full season of basketball against a grown man. I think there's something to that type of early exposure, especially professionally, for a kid like that versus like a James Wiseman where we saw him play three games against mediocre college competition and he was suspended or stepped away, however you want to look at it, whoever side you want to believe in. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think it makes sense for Golden State to take LaMelo. I just don't. You don't have to make him the point guard in this case. You don't, but to me it is much more fitting for them to take Wiseman. Yes. Yes. Because now you have this rim running five. Yep. That there's no pressure on him to score. He doesn't like anything he gives you offensively is a bonus because outside of rebounding, protecting the rim and doing the stuff in the paint, you have Stephen Clay to do the dirty work as far as scoring goes. You know who he sound like? Hassan Whiteside. If all we need you to come in here and do is be Hassan Whiteside, come on. If you can't do that, you don't belong in the league. And that's not even a knock to Hassan Whiteside, but it, to, to me it is. I'm giving a knock to Hassan. He sucks to me. <laughs> I mean, He's horrible. I, I didn't. I, I was trying to be modest, but again, you know, let's not. I ain't gonna be. Let's not. Let's not play no games, man. Please, Hassan. <laughs> I, I was listening to the guys on Inside the NBA, and they said, you know, Hassan was running around like they're uh, in Game Two against the Lakers, like he had concrete on his feet. <laughs> exactly, man. So, but he, but so James Wiseman, though, I think he could definitely be a a better version of that. Like that's hey, what we. This is your hope. I'm out here playing, you know, 25 to 30 minutes, locking the paint down, getting these boards, kicking it back out when I need to, and, and contributing to that winning culture in Golden State. Now, I don't think they're keeping the pick, though. Do they trade down? I. I think the preference for them, especially if they feel like, for instance, if they trade, let's say they get into a trade with the Bulls, right? Mm -hmm. And the Bulls go from four to two. I think they make a trade like that if they know for a fact that they can get Wiseman at four instead of at two. Because that means they're going to probably get another asset from a team like the Bulls to be able to move back. And they ain't got to pay him. Top three money. That's what I'm saying. That's so, why I'm thinking that would make sense. But, hey, the Bulls need to spend money. I don't give a damn what anybody says. They need to spend money. Now, I did also see a very interesting trade that I don't think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on it also before we go. Okay. Saw that if Philly decides to break up Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. The Bulls should make a play at Ben Simmons. Now, the hmm. trade that I saw would require y'all to not only give up 
that number four pick, but also Lori Markkinen, also Kobe White. And there was one other piece. It wasn't like a key, like, rotation guy, but that's basically what the trade is sent around. White, Markkinen, um, and the number four pick. I don't even think that's enough to get Ben. You probably – Hell, Philly probably would have to throw in Zach Levine even to right, and that's what I'm thinking. You have to get Zach to to do so, it, and that's what make me say hell no because that's that's a lot. Yeah, for, you you giving up a core. You know what I'm saying? You giving up a core just to get one piece, and then you have to nope. Now if I'm if I'm Philly and Chicago's is the one approaching me about that deal, I'm taking it. Oh, Chi- it. oh, if Chicago approaches Philly for it? Yeah, if I'm Philly, I'm taking that. And then I'm going to call Chicago even bigger idiots for doing that. Because you you get some talent at the number four pick if you were Philly. You have a stretch big that you could put next to Embiid. You'd have a guard that can shoot in white. You'd have Zach Levine. You'd be able to make some things happen with that. Mm-hmm. You'd be able to make some things happen with that if you feel Philly. Definitely. Without question, man. So... You know, the draft and free agency is going to be real interesting this year because of, you know, the craziness surrounding the, the salary cap and all that. So we, we're going to be real tuned into that um, coming up this offseason now. Uh, also, before we go, um, you know, we got NBA playoff action tonight. Lakers and Blazers going into game three. A lot of y'all was out here talking trash, man, talking big trash. The Lakers lost game one. Did you really believe I was going to say that Portland was sweeping them? So, here's the thing. Because we didn't get to go into these mediocre broadcasters. And, and Charles Barkley, which all credit Charles, great player, hilarious on inside the NBA. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm a Charles Barkley fan here. But come on, Charles. <laughs> what sweep you thought you was going to see? Come on, man. Hey, he wouldn't be Charles if he wouldn't make some wild – but so I made like I, I made this statement to a friend of mine the other day. I fully believe that Charles just goes out here to make either the underdog pick or the troll pick. Like that's his whole the whole thing he wants to do. That's his mo. That's that's what he's gonna do. Because let us not forget, he said Oklahoma City was the best team in the league when they were up three one against Golden State, and continued to say it as they went on to blow that three one lead. Is it sad that he's won four Emmys, or is it a good thing that he's won four Emmys? Yes. <laughs> Great answer, yeah. my friend. Great uh, answer. Also, before we go, I, I've been forgetting to, to make this point on the podcast, and I, I really feel compelled to make it today because we're we tying in a couple of different sports here, but it was announced a few weeks ago that Seattle was getting a hockey team. Yes. Seattle Kraken, I believe. Great name, by the way. Yeah. Merchandise looks good, all that. They they did a real good job marketing. I bring this up on the price check because NBA, I know y'all got, we even with the pandemic and all this, I know y'all got the money to expand. We got the talent in the league to expand the league. Bring an NBA team back to Seattle, please. Can we – Two things that I need to see in my lifetime as an NBA fan before I die. I need the NBA on NBC again at some point. Facts. And I need a basketball team in Seattle named the Sonics. We cannot have any other name. I don't want <laughs> I don't want y'all to go out here and come up with no fan vote, nothing like that. Seattle Sonics. And I want 
KG to remove himself. I understand he's doing – he wants to get the team in Seattle. He want to help move Minnesota there. No. Leave the Timberwolves in Minnesota. We don't need any of that stench no. on this team that we bringing back from the dead. Expansion or nothing, baby. You Look. know what I'm saying? Look, we, I'm telling you, there's a, there's a road map to there being a team in Seattle – the league probably putting a team in Las Vegas and moving either the Pelicans or the Grizzlies to the Eastern Conference. That's the roadmap I see for expansion. Even with that said, I'm glad that you brought that up, that we had Seattle. Seattle can get like Cleveland in the NFL. You know, they lose a team, go to Baltimore, and they rechristen themselves as the old. As the old team. They could do that again in Seattle. Yeah. An expansion. I get it. What's what, 30 teams in the league now? Yeah, you go to 32. They have enough talent to go to 32 teams. True. And so, with that said, you said you won't see Vegas. because I, I think Vegas would be the second city. I I mean, we could make a case that St. Louis could get an NBA team. We can make the same case for, like, a Kansas City, a Baltimore, a, you know, somewhere that's already had a team like that. But I think for what the league is trying to do, and especially what they have the ability to do from what they've seen at Summer League, yes, Vegas would support an NBA team. Especially now that they have the Raiders and then the also uh, potential of – it's been rumored yeah. baseball is in effect too. Yeah, so everybody, everybody is starting to take – Vegas seriously as a sports city because one you saw the success with the Vegas Knights in hockey you also see it with the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA yes um, they support their home teams yep so and they'll get the same when they get the Raiders yeah I, I when think the Raiders so. start playing yeah but we need we need Seattle I'm ready to, they need somebody dunking like Sean Kemp back in the day <laughs> shout, actually big shout out to my boy Sean Stagg because if you let him tell it Sean Kemp is like at worst, the second best power forward ever in league history. And wow. just because he feels that way. Okay. That, that's, that's his stance. He's not, he's not he, coming off is of Is he it. a super-duper Sean Kemp fan? He is a super-duper Sean Kemp that's fan. That's what that means. We can't, we, cannot, we can't talk about any of the, the uh, illegal it. substances. We I can't talk it. about any of the kids. I get none it. Of that. I but get it. Sean Kemp out here. I will say that Sean Kemp does have – Arguably the most disrespectful dunk in history on Alden Lister and doing the double point at him going back. It's it's between that and Scotty Duncan on now, Patrick. Now in Gillen. the NBA, yes. Now all time, there's one that happened that's a little bit better than Sean's and Scotty's, and he goes by the name of Vincenity. <laughs> yeah. I should have been more specific in game. Even though Vince has one over Alonzo Mourning that we can we can replay almost throw in there too, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But see that that was in game. You know what I'm saying? There was no dunk contest. Yeah. That, that Vince was in game. That it kept the dude from playing in the NBA because of it. Oh yeah, Frederick Vice. Yeah, yeah. kept kept him from getting in the NBA. Come on, bro. Damn. Yeah, he's like, nah, I'm good. 15th pick of the Knicks, you a waste. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that 99 draft. <laughs> Look, hey, man, long story short, we need we need NBA in Seattle. We yes. need a Seattle basketball team again. Get like the cracking. Get get it cracking. Get the NBA back in Seattle. Amen. Hey, but, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. Thank you to my man, Arlington A-Train Lane. 
everything on the production side of this thing, keeping us rolling. We'll be back here with another episode soon. Sharon Brown too, up. man. Oh yeah, big shout out to Sharon Brown joining us from the Memphis Flyer, beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, we're making a, a habit out of our, our guests being women. I like that. Women in sports. We got to start empowering our women in sports, dog. Protect the black women. Look, man. Come on now. Y'all know what it is. It's the Price Check Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Price. Checking out. Palm Alexander for the Inner Zone Network. I want to tell you about newest black-owned sponsor, Sugar Pop Creation, located in the city of St. Louis. They're offering things like sweets, custom games, and parties. Sweets like chocolate-covered strawberries, pineapples, infused cakes, custom games like dominoes, checkers, chess, parties like Girls' Night Out, and Tim Party at Sugar Pop Creations. You can find her at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under Sugar Pop Creations, LLC. Sugar Pop Creations, I make everything pop. Here comes the brand new flavor in your head. Time for new flavor in your Hey, this is Ashley Wright of The Sports with Ashley podcast. If you're a fan of the In The Zone network like me, you need to get your hands on some network gear from our online store. We got t-shirts, hoodies, bags, towels, and more. It's all here for you, our In The Zone fan. So get your hands on the latest gear at the In The Zone network online store. Remember, your order is 100% backed by Teespring Satisfaction Guarantee. Go online today at teespring.com slash in-the-zone-network.